Hello, everybody. It's Charlie. This and is it's the, Nicole. Oops, sorry. And it's Nicole. Oh, my God. Jumping in. And, no, uh, this, no, sorry. <laughs> okay. This is To Hell and Back, um, a podcast about like how to take concepts and all kinds of experiences in psychology and stuff and uh, and cope with adversity in your life. But so here we go. Um, and and though most of you can't see, because I think 95% of people who hear our podcasts don't view our podcasts. They're, they're on YouTube if somebody wanted to. But, you know, now Nicole is wearing a silver hat, or I think it's silver. It's, it's beige, a, but beige. It's, it's a wannabe silver hat. It's a wannabe. It's, it's not wannabe. white. It's not quite as cool as yours, but I thought, you know, just, just right. for camaraderie's sake. Thank you. Thank you. I'm definitely... Now we're we're like twins. You know? Exactly. That's Just what so. I was saying. It's exactly what I thought when we got up. When I saw you on camera, I was like, we're like twins. <laughs> All right. So um, I want to tell you about a dream of mine. Hmm. I last had this dream about 50 years ago. I, I, it was a repetitive dream in childhood. Okay. You're wondering, what kind of podcast am I listening to? I mean, so you just have to hang in there. Um, I had the, I just thought of this today, but I, I had this dream over and over again as a kid and I was in this giant room. It was like a warehouse and it was dark. I mean, it's giant. You couldn't even see the edges, but you knew you were in a warehouse and you had to be careful walking around. And I'm there by myself, at least as far as I can tell. And I, I'm going around and thinking, how do I get out of here? In the dream. And yeah. and and then I what I do each time I have the dream, I find a staircase and I Ooh. run into a staircase and then I start climbing up the staircase and up the, going up the staircase is hazardous. There's some broken stairs. There's ones that break Ooh. when I step on them. Uh, there's no rails. It's like a little hazardous climbing up. And I'm thinking, please tell me you're going to analyze this thing after. Okay, I'm going to say something about it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to yeah. know what the stairs, the broken stairs symbolize. Yeah. Okay. Well, you may help me with that. But okay. I, I have some idea about that. And so you, I got it to the top. Each time I had this dream, I'd get to the top and I'd think, oh, good, I'm going to get out. And then there would be the ceiling and it would oh, have no oh, way oh. out. I'd just get to the top and then I would wake up. Um, and I had this as a kid many times. And uh, it was a very troubling dream to me i just kept thinking i can't get out i can't can't get out of here and so i was thinking about this dream because Mm. maybe in the context of the fact that we're talking this is our third consecutive podcast about narcissism and narcissism one of the things this dream tells me now so this Mm -hmm. dream is helping me right now understand something about narcissism which may not have been even what the dream was about but Mm -hmm. i think the dream was about trying to get out of a very dark and lonely place Hmm. I mean, that sort of doesn't take deep interpretation to see that. And so, um, but one of the things, and, and then to climb each time and how it is that people with narcissism are always trying to cope with the kind of like um, maybe some kind of darkness or some kind of insecurity, hmm. or shifting sands or distress. Uh, and they feel like it's not going to work. Life is not going to work out. Uh, this day is not going to work out. This job is not going to work mm-hmm. out. This relationship is not going to work out. And then I think when that happens, 
then people start to try to compensate in their lives in order to cope with that feeling that the ground is shifting under you and you aren't getting what you need to feel secure. And so mm-hmm. I think, I know, I know more about my childhood than any of you know about my childhood. And you're lucky about that. You're lucky about that. But I'll just tell you that what I remember from my childhood, and I was the middle of five children, mm-hmm. and I would sit in my room. I, I remember this better than almost anything other than playing some sports. I'd sit in my room by myself on the bottom bunk bed, which was my bed. Yeah. And I would play our little record player. And this is the late 50s. And I would listen to Elvis Presley over and over again. Mm. And I would listen to Ricky Nelson over and over and Paul Anka. I would listen to Frank Sinatra. I mean, I would listen to a lot of things like this and um, and just love them. Yeah. And then I started imagining when I was about 10 that I'm probably what I really want to be in life as a singer. Mm. And and that became like, you know, that those were the, stair, the stairs. And so when you ask about, interpreting these stairs and how they break. It's kind of like when you're trying to build an edifice of a life, you're trying to get out of, out of a dark or lonely place. Mm. I mean, you start to build something and then it breaks down or you take a step and it doesn't work. I just think that I knew something like that in my early childhood in a, in a, in a dreamlike way that Mm. I think is meaningful to me. And what it tells me about narcissism now or what I, the link I made while you and I have been talking, Nicole, about narcissism these last few weeks, yeah, I was thinking, what is it? I think at the core of a lot of narcissism is loneliness. Yeah. And so that not, isn't necessarily part of the model for some of the models of understanding it. But I think if you take away everything, all the edifices that people build in order to feel the grandiose or to feel that they're worthwhile or to feel they have value and ambitions and all of that stuff, Underneath all of that, almost like under in the basement of that house, mm-hmm. they're alone. And, and, and people yeah. are running away from loneliness and running away from insecurity mm. that grew out of however they were raised as a young child. And I'm not saying it have to be raised a certain way. I was not beaten. I was not mistreated, especially, except by one of my older brothers, which that's yeah. another podcast. And it's sort of like, but... I was I was coping with and and I was a reasonably functional kid but I was coping with this thing and then with people that I've treated in psychotherapy a lot of times behind this kind of like endless effort to make themselves feel worthwhile and to feel valuable and to feel like something's going to work for them there is a sense they're going to slip back into a chamber that where they're all alone and they're mm-hmm. going to end their life alone I can relate to that. I really, I mean, that really resonates. And I think, um, you know, part of me says, well, isn't this just the human condition? Isn't this just what it is to be, you know, sentient being that, that is experiencing the world subjectively, that's never fully able to share the inner experience and have that resonate completely with anyone else. But I've Mm. also had a, kind of lonely experience um, in childhood. There weren't kids my age where I grew up and, um, and I was a bit of an oddity. I know that must be shocking to you now, um, but I was a bit of <laughs> an eccentric child. That. I know. Thank God I managed to turn out <laughs> so normally. Um, but I really, I think that, you know, <laughs> 
What can I say? We shouldn't laugh um, too hard at that. I know. <laughs> but like, I think like this, this sense of, you know, wanting to thinking that if I could do something really special or extraordinary, um, the sense of connection, the sense of belonging, the sense of, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. capturing unconditional love and validation. I think that that was very, I think that's still, you know, I, I, I think that's still present always to some extent. Um, although the, the importance of it and the, the desire to kind of grasp it and, and hold it is, is certainly not nearly as prevalent as it might've been when I was, you know, a little girl dreaming about, you know, being on Broadway or being president or God knows what else. Yeah. You said, I was going to say in one of our other earlier podcasts, you said that you started thinking about being president when yeah. you'd be at the Lincoln Memorial. I did. I mean, yeah. I really, I really, it, for a long time, I used to rehearse my, my inaugural address. <laughs> I, yeah, it's what I did when I was a kid. I was just like, <laughs> um, so yeah, but I think that so much of that came from this, this real, like, this belief that, oh, well, if I really matter, then somehow I'm impervious to the pain of aloneness and rejection. So I, I think I really resonate with yeah. that. And I, I feel a lot of compassion for that part of me and for that part of, of all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe everybody has that part. I mean, everybody is looking for something. And, and, and I think it's often um, looking for approval, looking mm-hmm. for attention, looking for admiration, when in fact you know, love would take care of a lot of that. Um, and so maybe a short, a short, shortness of love, feeling alone, feeling something mm-hmm. didn't work out. And it, you know, often, I mean, I've known people, and maybe you've known people where after a breakup and they've got been through, you know, they've lost what they thought was going to be their yeah. path forward. Then they turn after they kind of recover from that a little bit, they start turning to a different direction and they really go after something. True. You know, they decide to run their first marathon. They decide to yeah. go after this or travel the world. It's like eat, pray, love. You know, yeah. everything <laughs> falls apart, and you're off to Greece and uh, and Indonesia. How do you know that reference? Yes, <laughs> I, I've heard of it. Uh, I've had no, my own it's version true. of that. But that's so interesting, you know. And it's interesting why some people are devastated and and hold, you know, whether it's hold internal eternal grudges or mm. feel, you know, mortally wounded. Um, and then other people feel kind of woken up um, by, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we could call it perceived rejection or we could call it just like, you know, disruption to expectations. But um, it, it is, yep. it's really interesting. You know, and I think when, when I've gone over, last time i think and you you can get this all over the place because as you and i've talked about there stuff about narcissism has just mushroomed into our culture it's just <laughs> unbelievable in the last few years if you just go on google or go on youtube it's like you can just spend the next 5 years watching <laughs> youtubes about narcissism or watching you know movies about narcissism and, and books uh, so there's all all of this so it's just been a huge uh it's 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 a huge interest right now, and um, um, everybody's looking for something. Um, yeah, yeah. So I want, and so 
what I want to say about where the, about the podcast right now in, in narcissism is that we've been talking about things you can get elsewhere uh, on the internet uh, and all over the place and in lots of books. Like, what is narcissism? Right. What does narcissism have to do with the regulation of self-esteem or as psychoanalytic types put it, the libidinal investment in the self or things like that? Um, what, what are the subtypes of narcissism? And we've been over some of those here. What are the patterns of behavior and experience that people have? And there, we've, been a, we've been over about six patterns last yeah. time. The, the grandiosity, the uh, search for admiration all the time, constantly, the, the poor empathy, the uh, di- di- dismissal and uh, devaluation of other people. Yeah. Uh, the sensitivity to feeling worthless and feeling ashamed and feeling envious of other people. All of these things are sort of patterns that grow out of what I consider this central experience where there's a certain kind of vacuum. Um, And I'm saying that not as a theory, but as my experience when I've worked with people, that there's Mm -hmm. a vacuum in there and people are trying to build something over a vacuum. And then when one of the things they're trying to build falls apart, they fall back into that vacuum and they get, mm. and that's why there's a close relationship between narcissism and depression. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think people then get depressed. So we've been talking about these things, which I think are all concepts about narcissism, including models of the mind to explain right. narcissism, forms of psychotherapy for now. But you know what we haven't talked about and what I don't see as much when I look at the world of narcissism on the internet. Yeah is what's the actual experience of being a narcissist, being narcissistic? Right. And what's the actual experience of being with somebody narcissistic? There's more about that. because There's, there's all a lot of, about that. There's but a lot of self-help stuff on that. Yeah, but um, it, it actually, it can, it can caricature the narcissist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it tends to make, yeah, it tends <laughs> to make the narcissist, um, you know, just an object of eternal blame, almost, almost like you know, a a vampire. You know, you just cover yourself in garlic, and <laughs> you know, wear the cross and make sure to stay far, far away um, from the evil narcissist. And that's, I think, you know, I just imagine in the position of the narcissist, how painful that must be to be even if you're not aware of it. Um, you know, I think that's, I, I think um, without knowing all the different ways this is true, I know that it is true, that it is a very big problem. It was, it's been a problem about people with borderline disorders, schizophrenic mm-hmm. disorders, any group that I've gotten very interested in. Once you start to say, well, so-and-so is a schizophrenic. Yeah. As if you know anything about them. And then right. you meet like 10 consecutive people with that diagnosis. And you say, there's 10 very different people in yeah. my office or in my life. And same with borderline and same yeah. with antisocial even. But, yeah. And it's definitely true with narcissists. As soon as somebody, one of your friends says, God, I broke up with this guy. Yes. You know, he was a real narcissist. I mean, he was a real pig. I'm recovering a from a narcissist. I'm recovering. And then they'll name five books that you should read yes. about nar- recovering yes. from the narcissist, as if the narcissist says anything. And then you meet these people, and including myself, because I have I have a certain strand of narcissism that grew out of me and my childhood, yeah. and that's part of how I cope with life. And mm-hmm. so it's like you meet very different people. So I just want us to get down a little bit closer to the reality, the yeah. personal reality of what is it, who is narcissist or what's it like? 
how do they come across and what do you and how is it to be with somebody like that right. and what do you do about it that's right. really and, and, our agenda now and how yeah i think and how how typical maybe communication responses skillfulness might might not be as effective i mean i think that because i think there is while while it's really important to to remember the the humanity and complexity and the variety of Mm. types of narcissism it's also there is also something to be said for the fact that it can be very very difficult to stay skillful and well regulated um in a dynamic with a narcissist so it's i think it's like a both and um and but, but one thing that I think gets in the way is if you've let's say you've read five books on what the narcissist is, and well, then you yeah, meet one, well then you're, you're having confirmation bias. That's right. You're not really meeting the person anymore. You're meeting the aspects of that person that fit that diagnosis, and then you you're off and running, and you actually may never get to know that person. So that's the I think the challenge for inner you know meeting meeting each person where they're at. Yeah. Um, like I I've had. You know, of the of the most recent people that I've met, that I there was one I thought is totally narcissistic. I was I started to treat a college yeah. student, a girl, a young woman who was a fantastic softball player, mm. and she was a pitcher on her team. And I said to her, um, just like a year and a half ago, and heading into the spring, a year and a half, and she, I said, "What are your goals in terms of softball?" She was a junior in college. She said. Well, next year, my intention is to be the number one pitcher in the country. And she just said that flat out. Like, and I, See, said, I just think oh. that's, I think that's just awesome. So for me, I just think that's like brilliant. No, I, I think that that's I like know. powerful, brilliant, like good for her. But Why shouldn't she? No, uh, yes, yes, yes. And, and there's all this, you know, question is, is she narcissistic? Is that, so if some guy meets her, is she going to be, a narcissist, but then I, by the way, before we go any further, I'll just uh-huh, tell you, uh-huh. I then said, so how are you going to become number one in the country? She said, because I'm number two right now. I said, <laughs> how do you know you're number two? And she brought me a newspaper article. She was rated number two in the country. Someone at USC was number one and she was going to like replace her. New, and how are you going to get to number one? And she tells me, so actually, yes, I don't, I got to know her better. She she wouldn't have met any of the criteria, but she sounded right. grandiose. And then I've known, then a recent person I met was kind of the opposite because mm. he seemed like the least narcissistic person, quote unquote, in popular yeah. terms. Anybody, and he was very nice guy, very helpful to people, very good financial manager, mm. financial advisor, and uh, like carrying everybody's financial situations around with him and taking care of all these things and being a good guy and being on every yeah. board in town. Oh, you know, the kind of person yeah, 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 very yeah. involved. And um, it turns out that he's in a way deeply grandiose about who he is and what kind of a saint he is. And it causes all kinds of trouble in his life. So he, he doesn't look like somebody narcissistic, but he would right. meet a lot of the criteria once you got to know him. So interesting. And he's, and he's still likable. He's not, not, all that cold or anything. Anyway, well, I think I'm yeah, just... that's that's fascinating. No, that's fascinating. I I I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, and we'll talk about this in a future episode. But I think there is something to be said, particularly for women, because I think that there are cultural barriers that that we are we are working to overcome. But to set audacious goals, 
um, yeah. and to, to claim them out loud, um, whether they seem realistic or absurd, uh, I think takes an enormous amount of courage and, mm. and I think a little grandiosity for a population that is, that struggles to, um, to take up space historically, I think is, is well, is, I think, you know, I think a little, a little narcissism in that way is just fine, but that's my personal, you know, that's my, no, I that's go with that. my I go with that. point of view. Um, because, you know, being realistic maybe is not always, always in anyone's best interest. <laughs> Who says what's realistic anyway? I mean, yes, there, there is a spectrum. There's a, there's a spectrum. I mean, yes. when I had somebody that came, to the hospital when I was a hospital psychiatrist at the beginning of my career. And he came, he was admitted for something. I forget what, and I interviewed him and he said he was a baseball player. He was a, he was a minor league baseball player. Mm -hmm. As we got into it, it turns out it was completely not true. Okay. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's different. And he came back a year later admitted for similar reasons. But then when I interviewed him, he said he was a rabbi. And so that's, yes. So, you know, this is not the same as, as being the best software teacher in the country, which Correct. actually is realistic. Correct. So what we're going to do now, I mean, that we, Nicole and I thought that the best way uh, or one way to help get into what's the experience of narcissism on both sides of the fence, you might say, is to do a role play. Mm-hmm. And uh, a role play that's first based in a realistic situation, which is, her uh, on my relationship with each other as co-hosts because mm. this podcast by the way this is the 91st podcast in the two hell and back and so uh, in the first Yay. like <laughs> the first 83 or 84 or 85 of them i'm not sure what it was just me or me interviewing somebody but it's just and then uh nicole uh, starting i don't know how many ago five or six podcasts ago yeah. started to join me as the co-host and um, so developing our relationship as co-hosts is uh, not necessarily simple. Um, no. it's, it's, I think it's worked pretty well, but I think we're still working it out. It's still yeah. a work in progress. And so we thought we would role play talking about our development of our co-hosting relationship um, with me playing the role of somebody who um, probably based on some level of insecurity has a turned in to have a, a fair number of narcissistic features. <laughs> and so, so I'm going to be portraying the person who's bringing narcissism to the conversation mm-hmm. and she's going to be coping with that. And yeah. we thought that would be like, maybe just do a, a, a role play that would help us explore and then discuss what happens in the role play yeah. for each of us and, and whether any insights come out of it. And this is completely unrehearsed. By completely. The way. So we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, okay. Okay. I'm a little nervous about this. Well, Nicole, I mean, let me just tell you, maybe you shouldn't be a co-host if you're going to be that nervous. I understand. Uh, I understand. Charlie, look, you know, I've said it before and I understand that it's hard. I understand that it's hard to have, to have me coming in to your to your program like this and I, I i do really really applaud you for for being as flexible as you've been but well, i will be my, nervous I, I, I yeah and i and i know i will be nervous sometimes nicole you're talking a lot and it it seems to me that um i i mean 
One thing you should know about this podcast, if mm-hmm. you don't understand this, is that uh, I've been really great. I have been really, people have loved this podcast. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if I have a hundred thousand viewers and never says that on the statistics yeah. I see, but might be hundreds of thousands of people are, are tuned into this. You just don't see all of it on the statistics. And there's a reason they tune in to me. I just I, want you, you to know that. I Sissy. do. What are you getting into? I listen. I, I know it's because I think you're so great. And I, I've always been such a fan of you. You know that, that I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of, of really the next phase of what this, what this can be. And I, and I, I do understand that I can talk in ways that you're not always thrilled with. And I, and I'm really, I'm interested in hearing your feedback and I can't just sit here silently as your co-host. I mean, I can be your sidekick and I've said that before, but I don't know how compelling that is. And I don't know if that's really what you're wanting to do. You've got to be clear yourself. Well, I don't know if it's what I want to do either. I don't know what, I don't know what exactly I want to do. I just, I just know that, you know, this, this whole thing has gone pretty well. I'm trying to remember why I bailed out of just doing it solo, but I, you know, it's like I, I had, and, and, and I'm, I think your job is to figure mm-hmm. out how to make me better. Okay. And I, I, I hear that. I hear that. And I, I respect that you are, um, I think that there's there's an opportunity for that to happen for us to be mutually um, to make each other better. And I I I I I'm getting a little defensive, Charlie. I got to be honest. I'm just feeling I'm feeling a little bit attacked, and I'm feeling I'm feeling a little defensive. I don't know what to say. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I've tried to contribute in a lot of ways. I've tried to contribute on the production end, and I've tried to contribute. On the content end, and I, um, I'm I'm sorry if I've disappointed you. I haven't said you've disappointed me, but I just think you are going to have to do something about this level of insecurity because uh, you know I think what people like is is to see confident people and to see people who know what they're doing. And I think you know so you can learn from me and you can uh, follow the way and you can find ways to help. And we, you said, you know, we're here to help each other out. Yes. I'm not here to help you out. I'm here to help me out. I'm here right, to relate right. to my audience. And sort of, I thought that it would be nice for you to be able to join in and you, you might learn something from me. That's very gracious of you. And I can't really show a lot of confidence if I can't open my mouth without you getting angry with me. I didn't. Uh, who said I'm angry at you? You can you said open, I you're talk opening too your much. mouth right now. Well, you said I talk too much. Well, and you show asshole. evident irritation when I when I speak. Yeah, well, that, it's, that might be true. It might be true. And I, I just think we have to be mindful of how we speak. I appreciate that. And I agree. I appreciate your acknowledgement. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who would like to be in your position. I recognize that, and I'm I'm very grateful. I really am, and I think that this has been this has been a really I'm learning. I am learning so much from you, and I 
And I think it has to it has to be more reciprocal. And and when you say that it's just it's just me here to serve you, I don't know that I'm able to participate with you that way sustainably. Are you threatening me? What about no that? I'm just that, that you can't, letting you, you know. can't keep participating if it's the way that I'm asking you to participate. Well, I don't know that you were asking me. It sounded like you made a declaration, and I'm letting you know my point of view. I don't see any reason for, for, for making threats. I think we're just exchanging ideas. What is that face? Well, I'm just trying to think about, you know, um, how you can help me, how you can help this podcast, uh, how, uh, how you get, because I see other podcasts out there sometimes, and I see their production value, and it makes me feel really bad about mine. Mm-hmm. I see. I look out there and I see these people that have these beginnings of every podcast with music and these announcements, and at the end yes. there's announcements, and in the middle they have cool routines and yes. stuff going on. Yes. And then, yes. then I look at the number of listeners they have, yes. and they have like hundreds of thousands of listeners, if not millions. And then I think, uh, what's wrong with me? Why can I not? do that and then i thought well maybe if i have another person helping but i just don't know how that's going to work out but i i I understand and you know that i believe in what you do and i believe in the the potential of this podcast and i don't want to defend or make a list of of suggestions um I don't think I think that there there are there are opportunities for us to do all of those things uh, if and when you'd like to. Well, do you think I'm great? I think at what I do. I think you're great at what you do, Charlie. Okay. I do think you're great at what you do. That's important. And I, I'm I'm a little bit I, I I'm a little bit um, I'm a little bit frustrated that we have to have this conversation again um, because I I do feel like I let you know that a lot and and this is meant to be a collaborative reciprocal relationship. Well, I don't know if we if it's too much. I mean, I. I I kind of um, I'm a little ashamed of this to tell you the truth, but I'm a little bit um, I kind of need somebody to tell me I'm great. I'm I, kind of like uh, need to hear that, and and it's and and uh, maybe from more than one person, but at least from you. I understand. So, you know what? No, I, I I really I respect your vulner- I really appreciate your vulnerability, and I and I do. I think you're wonderful, and I'm I am. It does. It is a privilege, and I'm. And I'm happy to 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 reiterate that as often as necessary. And I I think it's important that 
we have an, an atmosphere of mutual respect because I, I can't just be a cheerleader. That's not really what I signed up for. But that doesn't mean I don't think you're great, because I think you're great. I don't know. I just I'm this I this idea of mutual respect. I don't know what you're asking for. It's I wouldn't not. Be, I wouldn't have you here if I didn't have respect. Okay. Right? All right. Well, you know, then that's that's that that's all I need to hear. So I think you're great, Charlie, and and I I. And I wouldn't be here if I didn't think you were great. Okay. All right. I know it sounds like a lot, but I might have to hear that again sometime. I am happy to tell you as often as you need. Just let me know and I'll tell you you're amazing. And the podcast is amazing. I mean, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. Come on. I mean, it is amazing. It is amazing. Isn't and it? you are amazing. And and, I and am you amazing. told me how much your listeners adore you. You I mean you are amazing. See, doesn't that feel better? I feel better. Yeah, I uh well I like hearing that. I, I and um uh, I don't know what's wrong with me because every day I wonder it again. Every day I wonder it again. It doesn't last very long. Well, I promise that the more the more present you can be with our I can't promise uh but I there's so much to be excited about with this work we've got so many really really wonderful episodes planned and and I am I'm I'm cheering I'm cheering I'm cheering from Oslo here I am cheering you on And I am yeah, I'm happy to help you and I want to to support you and make you look great and I, I wish you would cheer up. Okay. But you don't need to. Whatever, whatever, whatever makes you happy. You be you. You're great. Okay. All right. Let's stop ah! the role play. Ah! <laughs> Let's stop the role play. Ah, I don't okay. know if I could take it anymore. I don't know if I could take it anymore. I'm like, I'll do a handstand. But here's the thing. You think narcissism is so hard for the person that's receiving it, who's on no, the receiving end. It's hard to be in it. It's very hard to be a narcissist. I yeah. mean, it's very hard to be narcissistic because really, I'll just make my first observation, I guess, right now, which I didn't necessarily anticipate, is yeah. that how quickly the experience that something I'm doing is working or that you're yeah. doing is working to make me feel better. Yeah. How quickly it goes away. Like, it's like, as soon as you say, yes, you are great. It's like, you are great. It's sort of like Donald Trump's has people sit around and say how loyal they totally. are to him and how much he's a genius. And then it's sort of like, but he needs it again the next day. And I realized no wonder he feels that way. I mean, it's just, because you just hear from somebody, you're great, you're great. And then what happens? Right. It's the next second. Right. And then there's something in the tone of voice or there's something that they say. Exactly. I I, felt that. Yes. You felt that. How did you feel? What do you mean? mean, Well, yeah. I mean, I I noticed like it was like there would be a little bit of a lift in your gaze or your gaze. And then then if I I wanted to have any kind of modicum of dignity or self-respect and then I tried to kind of do an and or a uh, 
then and then you would yeah, kind yeah. of like wilt. And I would see you wilt. And then yeah, I would feel well, this would sense say, of yeah. like, oh. Well, you'd say you are great. And I think we need mutual respect. And I thought, there's a con- you're like, oh, there's a condition. There's a, there's condition, a condition on my oh, greatness. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. There's a condition on this. And, uh, you know, I did, what it makes me think about, too, is that we didn't, in talking about the patterns of narcissism, we didn't emphasize this. But this is, I think, where the seeds of paranoia grow. Mm. Right? The person who's narcissistic and grandiose, who has a sort of pathological grandiosity, you might say, as soon as the uh, crowd fades, yeah. it's sort of like, all right, where are they? What, what are they actually thinking? Wow. What are they going to write about me in the morning? What are they saying to each other? It's, it's like there's so many ways I that you s- have this seed of doubt goes into your mind and it, be, and it can become paranoid. I, you know what well, it's reminding me of is I... I was in a relationship where where my boyfriend cheated on me, or I th- I think I thought he did, or I don't really remember. It was a long time ago, but I remember this this thought of like, can I trust you? Can I not? And and I needed that kind of reassurance in the beginning. I remember I remember being so sensitized to the feedback and being like, wait, wait, is it good? Is it not good? Is it good? Is it not good? Like, are you mm. in or are you not in? And it just it that that kind of that kind of checking, constant checking. Mm. It felt like I was like, I, I mean, I, I don't know why I just thought of that because it was ages mm. ago, but that that profound like delicacy and lack of trust in and not just like myself and my okayness, but in my lovability and the in the safety of the relationship and really and feeling so desperately needy, which is just yeah. like heartbreaking to think about. Yeah, 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 and and that, and then if the person reassures you, uh, that again, and it goes in, in two that situation, seconds, it, it goes away really fast. So then you, yeah. you part ways with that person. They're like, "Did you did you really mean that?" Or right, it's like I'll never do it again. Him? I'll never do it again. Or like we're right, in right. this together. Like we're all in. Yeah, except for and I'm like, "What do you mean except?" Right, like, right. Wait, are, are you no, in you this just, or not? That's the thing is you start to have this totalistic idea of having somebody else's admiration or devotion wow. to you. And yeah, because it's either total commitment or not. Yeah, because anything less than 100% could be anywhere from 95% to zero. Totally. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, it, you know, another thing came up to for me in this that I hadn't thought of. You know, there's all these different sort of um, re- patterns that are associated with narcissism and and these are the more obvious ones especially when they're overt like the grandiosity the entitlement the being dominant the being the pushy one the being devaluing the other person all of that but you know there's another one which is a tendency to have a low amount of empathy for other people i was Mm -hmm. just thinking i'm not sure this is the usual way that ends somebody ends up with low empathy but I realized that if I was going to stop, and I because I considered at many moments in the role play being empathic yeah. with you, like yeah. wanting to say things like, I'm sorry I'm giving you such a hard time, or how are you holding yeah. up in this? But I, <laughs> but I didn't do that because I, you realize that if you're, if you're narcissistic and you need the oncoming flow of admiration, support, yep. idealization, whatever it is, that if you start to be empathic with the other person, you could lose it. 
It, yeah. It's sort of like it, it takes you off your game. You have this game, which is yes. to keep getting the supplies coming in. And if you start being empathic to the person from whom you need supplies, they right. might start, they might think that their needs are important. So interesting. Cause I also experienced, there was one moment where, where you said something like, yeah, I get that. Or yeah, you're, you're, if I didn't, th- it was like, you gave me like a tiny crumb. And by that point, I was so grateful for the crumb. I'm like, thank you for that. It was like, <laughs> right, right, it was right. so interesting. I was like, my, my, I felt like you were conceding something huge and my need to make you happy or like to get right. some sort of uplift or like, I was more and more invested in getting this like positive affect response from you as right. time went on because, because you were so like, you know, it's like you were in so much pain and then you showed some vulnerability and, and then you showed, right. oh, I, I need, you know, but I need it from you. And then I feel like, oh gosh, like I'm, I'm, I both, I'm bad and I'm good. And I need, you know, it's, it was just fascinating how, and how I started to feel guilty for like being demanding and, and, and asking. No, I know, for- I know. I was struck by that. And I was thinking this uh, comment you had made before, I forget if it was before the podcast started or once we started today, but about the relationship between codependency and and narcissism. It's sort of like, I felt like I needed buckets of support from you of admiration and just unconditional greatness. I needed buckets from you. You needed like a thimble from me. (laughs) Like you just, all you need is a crumb, as you put it. You need a crumb to fall off my table. I need my table to be set very well. And you need a crumb. I mean, that, that if that doesn't define that relationship, of I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the one that's at the table and you're waiting on the floor for a crumb and oh. you're so glad to get one. It's thrilled. Like, thrilled. And so you have a sort of a reinforcement schedule yep. for your behavior. You're willing to continue to pour buckets of adoration in as long as you get some crumbs back. I mean, have you ever heard of that? I mean, it's so interesting. <laughs> and like, and you know, and I can see how over time... You know, you kind of get like, I mean, when you're, when you're up and you're happy, it must feel like such a reward for me. I must feel like, yay, this is, everything's okay. You're good. I'm good. We're good. And, and I must be really willing to work really hard to, to kind of resuscitate that through whatever adoration and my needs must seem more and more ridiculous comparatively, which is so bizarre. It's so bizarre, but it does. It goes that way, and it's a two-party system, a two-person yes, totally. system. I mean, it's a da- it's a dance. These things don't happen by yourself. I mean, you but might like, feel how worthless. could I have? How could I? Okay, so let, but let's look at that really quickly. So, how could All it right. have gone differently? Like, I mean, given that like we have this dynamic where I do respect you, and you know, I don't want to be an asshole. I mean, how could, I'm, I'm wondering how how I could have been like, all right, Charlie. Yeah, you're great. Get over yourself. Let's get back to work. I mean, I'm wondering. That was, in this, that would not have worked with who I was playing. Right. Absolutely not. That could be a deal breaker. Yeah. That yeah. could be a deal breaker. You could get fired from Trump's cabinet if you did that. I know. You know, and, and you could, you know, so how could you have done it? I thought, you know, I was amazed. I mean, one of my experiences, 
I'm not sure I would have felt this if I actually had a more profound narcissism because I would have had more profound lack of empathy. But I, but I was, I kept thinking, how is she doing this? You know, how can she do this? How can she grovel like this and put up with me? I, I mean, yeah, I don't think the typical person with a pathological narcissism uh, necessarily thinks that way. But I think sometimes somebody might or might know that that would be the appropriate thing to feel, or yeah. something like that. But there is a tension, yeah. a dialectic between the, these two positions. And there's, a, it's, there's not an easy way out. This is between now and next podcast yeah. to be thinking about how to cope with being in a relationship with someone who has a lot of narcissism and what would be skillful ways to do it. I think one would be, in the DBT world, you'd call it, you need to know when to observe your personal limits. Mm. Like when you've had too much of this kind of like uh, devaluation, because I was mm. not only acting like I'm grandiose and I need all yes. of these supplies, yes. but I was also throwing in now and then devaluing you. Yes. I mean, I think you might've noticed that. I sure did. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like, Diva, like, what do you have to contribute? Basically, I I'm sure saying, what do you, I said, you're lucky to be here. And, 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 yep. and, and it's all and about me. And I don't know that you have anything. Me. Yes, 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 yes. I know. I, I, don't I, know if I, you have I was very aware. Yeah. And you weren't responding the way you might in a different situation to that or in a real relationship. No. I mean, you wouldn't be putting up with quite as much of that no. if you were role playing this person, right? I'd be like, <laughs> Go to hell. Um, (laughs) You know, but it's interesting. Like, but I also noticed this sense of like, it was like, which battle is, I had the sense of like, all right, do I want to, do I want to get into a, like an argument over this or, or like, you know, any person that says this is obviously not normal, you know, like. I don't know, like any person that's like has norm that's a that has self respect that's functioning normally, like doesn't say those things, and yeah. so it's almost like, like yes, you're wonderful. You know, it's almost like a little child. I, that's how I felt a little bit. It was like, like you know, when a little child is like, but mom, or like it's broken and I want the toys. That's how it's like. You're not going to be like, listen, kid, stuck it up. You know, it's just because right. it's a little kid. And I kind of, there was also that. It's like, yes, Charlie. That's right. It's all you about being, you. That's, You're that's, wonderful. Now that's interesting. Yes, you were you were being that way with me. And I wasn't seeing it that way at the time. I was just, but but you were, you were, you were taking care of my self-esteem. You know, um, like you would with a child that was trying to do a hard thing. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because like, I just didn't even feel worth arguing. Hmm. we're going to pause downstairs early. I will be, we'll be three minutes. And so just pretend we're not, we're going to pretend, hold that thought. Uno momento. Okay. Uh, Are you there, Mark? Yeah. We'll just edit this piece out. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure I'm going to be great at at holding that last thought. <laughs> I got to remember where we left off to have a smooth transition.
Oh, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it happens. So she's in, she's in Oslo, Norway. Yeah, with her father. I think her, I think, I think her, her family is either, her father's either from Norway or Switzerland. He was a, actually, from what you first told me, I think he was an Olympic uh, downhill skier. And, uh, and uh, now he lives in Colorado. Yeah, but he, but I don't know why there, maybe, maybe he, he had business there or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this art, this, this, this little role play discussion is halfway in between talking about narcissism and on the other hand, like working out a personal relationship. Uh, and, and it just shows how, how closely related those are. I would think so. Now, I think, I think if people left comments about this role play and stuff, they would give their own opinions about what she, what she should do. And, and what a jerk I was. Yeah, I never see comments on, on my podcasts. Almost. Very, you know, I look, at, I look at YouTube. I'm back. I, yeah. I, I look at YouTube and I look at other places. I just almost never see very, You're very echoing. few comments. I think it's Maybe. Mark. Okay. Okay. So we're back with the little child. Yeah. So I, 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 I can see now, though I didn't feel it during the role play, that, you're, that what you were doing, whether you meant to think of it like this way or not, was the way I would treat a child mm-hmm. whose self-esteem is at stake. Yeah. Like they're, they're four years old and they're doing a hard thing and they're feeling bad and they're going to cry. And you say, you're doing a great job. No, no, yes. it's really good. I mean, it seems like you were sort of doing that. That's exactly right? how it felt because I was, you know, I was thinking like, okay, I'm thinking a little bit about like, you know, DBT interpersonal skills. I'm like, I mean, it didn't, it almost, and it's interesting when I think about codependent relationships, like it almost didn't even feel worth like declaring self you know, like that I needed to be a co- creative or like collaborator like I didn't I almost didn't even feel like I needed to assert my Mm. my worth or self-respect because it felt like in some ways there was something so pitiful and sad and that you know I just wanted to let you know that it was okay but you know within the context of the role play where we're collaborating I felt like you know Yes, I'm happy. It's like I'm happy to pat your head and rub your belly. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, for this to function over time, you can imagine that if this this becomes like a persistent theme, there has mm-hmm. to be there has to be some sort of counterbalance to that otherwise, you know, otherwise it is, it's just a nightmare. But it's going to be uh well even right right now we could talk about this. I I think you're in a very complicated spot because um, 
if this is a, a, like a, an interpersonal game, yeah. what options are available to you without causing the whole thing to blow up? Um, I, I think you can be what you're saying. You found a position yeah. of being like the, 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 the adult with a sort of a, a t- temper tantrum child oh. or a child who has low self-esteem at the moment. And that's one way to go. But the problem with going that way is that that, that that buys into or it helps establish a pattern of relatedness yes. between the two of us that is yes. going to happen again and again and again. Yes. Well, that's why I didn't do that entirely. And I think that's where no, I was doing true. that. And, and it was, and, but it was a tricky thing. And again, by the end of it, if we, when we listen back, uh, I'm interested to listen back, but by the end of it, I was like, you're a mate. You know, I was noticing I was getting more shrill and more invested in lifting up your, energy getting you to buy into the greatness because I was kind of like all right I'm done with I'm done with your feeling low like let's get back to work I wanted to so I was I I could I could imagine over time that it's like I would I would skip out on all of the the parts where I am asserting my I don't know my own self-respecting independence and I'm just going right to yeah, like affirming you, yay, Charlie, yay, Charlie, let's get to work. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, you were, you, it was, you might say that the interaction was extinguishing yeah. your, your claims of your own yes. competence, your, your own contribution. Totally. And there was a moment when you said, well, and I think I've helped with the production value and this and that. Yeah. And, you, and it was all, of course, true. But yeah. I wasn't going to acknowledge any of, of that course. in this role play. I mean, I don't want to give you a, a, an, an obvious crumb. I want to give you a crumb when I can afford to give you a crime. Right. Well, and I a- notice I'm like, I don't want to sit here and give you a list of all the things that I've done and be like, cause that felt demeaning. Right. I'm like, what am I going to sit right, here right, and right. prove myself? Like, and That's say, right. well, actually I did this. And that. like, I was like, I don't need to justify myself. It was very weird because I'm like, wait a second. Like, am I going to sit here and say, well, what about, that? you know, like, I'm like, that feels so that makes me small by participating, I, no, I understand. but then by not saying anything, I'm kind of agreeing. It's I a know. very interesting dynamic. And now, would, do you think you would eventually, if this went on and on, yeah, would there be a time when you would eventually sort of need to have the conversation, like, a, oh, like yeah. sit down with me and say? Charlie, I've got to talk to you about something that's going yeah. on between us. I mean, well, that would become yeah. part of Well, so it would be, I think it's really a matter of like, you know, if I, if our interactions were like this the majority of the time, mm-hmm. I, it just wouldn't be workable. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I, I would, I think right. it would be, right. it would not be something that I could, it just would be, into- it wouldn't be worth it. It just wouldn't mm-hmm. be, there's no amount of opportunity, cachet, whatever, that would make it worth it because- you know, it's exhausting, it's depleting, and you do use, yeah. it sucks the, um, whatever, whatever kind of collaborative gratification there might be. And I have to believe there wouldn't be much because if every time I'm opening my mouth, you're sighing or rolling your eyes or saying I'm talking too much or that it's about you. I mean, I, I, that's not a reciprocal collaborative relationship, no. right? No, 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 you're right. You were already, even in this little role play, working so hard yeah. to stay within the lanes that wouldn't offend me too yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what you have to be on the lookout for. Oh. But at the same time, the more you're on the lookout for that, the more you're reinforcing the pattern. So I couldn't do it. it's really hard to find the, the middle path at that point. Yeah. You'd have to do something. And you wouldn't want to go too long 
Um, no, no. Before you brought stuff up, because you want to, don't want to get this pattern to be established for too long yeah. with somebody. Hey, you know, I wanted. To, there's another observation I made from the inside, you might say, mm-hmm. um, to help me understand something. These different patterns of being narcissistic, you know, so they seem kind of contradictory. There's the pattern of being grandiose and entitled yeah. and all of that, and all knowing, and it's me, me, me. And then there's the pattern of being. Um, very uncertain, uh, feeling inferior, feeling envious of other people and feeling yeah. ashamed of yourself. That's just as much part of narcissism, yeah. not always in the foreground. But I but I, I was thinking, how did I, how when I'm working so hard to have you be my cheerleader and my admirer and my supporter of my great self, yeah. how did I get to where I'm telling you about those other people that I kind of envy their podcasts. I know. I mean, that I, and I, but think it was disarming. I, could, there, I imagine it was, it was quite a, a shift. And I think I could only do it because I felt like you had worked so hard to be on board with me that I felt safe enough to say how I actually felt, which is yeah. no, I don't have hundreds of thousands of people yeah. listening. I barely have, you know, any, that's not quite right. true, but I right. don't have that. Those numbers and and how am I going to get there? And I'm very insecure about. And yeah. I didn't. And I kind of wanted to share that with you yeah. because I felt like you were on my team. Yeah, and the way you got on my team was to grovel and and accept crumbs. <laughs> so it's a there's so a there's an unholy bargain. Well, right, and I think that you were right around. It was right around then when I could have been so effing fed up with you. And been like enough, but then you you come out with a moment that's genuine and vulnerable, and so then I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, now there's something genuine and vulnerable, and I appreciate that you know taking the risk to be human, and and then I can you know have compassion for that, but then you know and then there's this switch, and I think that that's also part of what makes on the receiving end, what makes it Mm. tricky? Because I think, again, you're like with this, if you imagine being with a small child that's needy and vulnerable and fragile, you know, it's one thing if they're just having the tantrum, but it's another thing if they like stop the tantrum and they say, oh gosh, you know, mom, or I'm so sorry. Or, you know, aunt Cole, I'm sorry. (laughs) I love you. You're great. Thanks so much. Really my best friend hit me or what and then you're like oh you know like i understand scream and make a mess and so um there was Hmm. something about Hmm. that that i and you know by by saying out loud you know i'm really ashamed of this and this is hard for me to say i think you know whatever kind of like irritation and defensive like just kind of frustration and almost disgust i might have been feeling it just kind of melts and you're like okay and then I'm almost yeah. more bought in to like getting it out, like you know, like let's let's make this better. <laughs> you know, when I sit back and hear this, hear you saying this, I realize, you know, you're busy working hard regulating my self-esteem, yeah, by your comments and my, you know, I'm making me feel valuable as <laughs> well, and I'm busy regulating your. Uh, irritation with me or potential irritation by as soon as I see you getting more irritated and I feel like we're at the edge. Now I become vulnerable. And now, now, now you can give up your irritation and you can sort of genuinely just be empathic with me. Yes. So you could, and you, I mean, have, 
I've, I've certainly seen my share of relationships that go back and forth. Totally. Like that, and you're right? always mystified by it. You're like, how do they stay in this? Like, it's so insane. And, and, and even this dynamic where it's like every, you know, the breadcrumbs, I think you watch people where the standards get lower and lower for what they're willing to accept right, in terms right, right, of, right. you know, because the high highs and low lows, like, you know, after a while when there's so much strife and so much exhaustion, just like one happy moment is so blissful that, right. you know, it, it feels like such a victory that someone will say, but you know, it's, but, but things are better. I think things are better. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. 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 I wonder how much, and obviously there's overlaps between what this kind of dynamic we're talking about now, which we'll sort of call it interpersonal narcissistic yeah. dynamic, but it, with that, and then what happens with domestic violence? Yeah, it, I'm really, it, you know, I'm curious. It, you go one, you go a couple steps further than where we were. And Wait, I, just I might be you. becoming more violent and you're becoming more like accepting of that, but then trying yes. to make up. And it's sort of like going back again yes. and again and again. So there, there's a, I think that narcissism and domestic violence uh, I mean, if you look at the population of people where there's a lot of domestic yeah. violence, I think you'd probably find a lot of exactly yeah. this kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And then, I mean, again, what you're willing to, for me on this end, like what you're even willing to kind of discount or tolerate, I think at a certain point, obviously, when you're hearing those messages all the time, if mm. I were to stay in a relationship like that, you know, in the beginning where you're like, you know, maybe you're with someone because you see them as wounded and you want to take care of them or whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. over time, you know, when you're subjugating yourself and you're listening to demeaning messages, then you start to believe them. And, right. and then you That's stop right. really remembering that, Oh, I got into this in a position thinking I was the caregiver and that the other person was wounded. Then you start to feel wounded. It's, it's, it's really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Now, and it, 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 day by day, if you're in this kind of conversation, it can build on itself. You, you never can go back and erase the previous conversation. You're, yeah. you're picking up again, and and now you're in an even accepting even smaller crumbs. Right. And I'm looking for even more adoration. And and right. and if I don't get it, I'm going to devalue you even more, and my right. empathy is going to go down even further. And oh. and so. But that, but alongside that, I think that we'll just close with this. Uh, well, because what we're going to do is each of us is going to get a chance to listen to this now that yeah. we've done this. And then next time we can talk about what someone can do about that or what, what, Great. what is a, what's a skillful and balanced approach to somebody who's coming across this way. Um, but also if I have any thoughts or if you have any thoughts about what is it that the person who is uh, has more of the narcissism needs in order to become more effective? You know, whether they yeah. get it through a relationship or they get it through a psychotherapy. Yeah. Like how, how does that change? Um, so yeah. I, I want to say in closing, um, for, thanks for doing this because we, we both go out on the, out on a limb when we do this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just thinking how many people tuned in, I've <laughs> just heard this dialogue and that's all they've heard of it. And they're just they're thinking, like, what? oh my God, is he an asshole? And oh is she, is, and sort she of, is a pushover. Is, oh my God. She's so, <laughs> so anyway, I hope that that didn't happen to too many people. Um, and I, I want to ask at the end of the podcast and uh, 
that if people would, if, if people are finding any of this interesting, please go ahead and subscribe yeah. uh, wherever you're listening to podcasts so that you can just get notification of every one that comes out. We try Absolutely. to do one every week, yep. uh, but they, it'll change sometimes. And then you'll get notified of what the title is and what's coming. Yeah. And, and rate also, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really makes review. a big difference. It helps other people find, find this work. When you say rate and review, is the review part giving comments? Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, it helps. It's just, you know, it, whenever there's whenever there's engagement and also lets us know what we're doing right, what we could improve. Um, but mm. yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it really, yeah. It helps it helps spread the word. You know, and comments, uh, those of you who watch this, it's always also on YouTube. So if you want to watch, you know, and you can watch it and there if you want it, and you can also leave comments there um, as well or or on my website. Uh, charlieswenson.com. They all get archived there, all whatever they are again. Not, I think this is 11, 10 billion trillion 92. thousand. Uh, oh million. my God. You, yeah. You'll, you'll just be one of uh, millions of people watching thousands of podcasts. I mean, that's how it's going to be. <laughs> all right. It's good to see you, Nicole. You Have a safe too. trip back from Norway. Thank you so much. And thank you all. Yeah. It was fun as ever. <laughs> good. Take care.